And welcome back to the Blanket Coverage Podcast. We are back. We are discover, er, uh, discussing some NFL uh, news and uh, preview for next week. We're going to get our picks in. But first, Jack, you just got back from uh, getting to go to the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. Uh, give us a short, short rundown of your uh, New York trip for us. Well, it was a fantastic experience. I mean, I was able to go to cover the Jimmy V Classic game, which was uh, Texas Tech against Tennessee, which was a very close overtime win for the Red Raiders. I know. Sorry for that. Uh, one of the worst games basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Tennessee shot under, I think it was under 8% from three. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a heinous game, but was happy to see it because I've obviously seen a lot of Texas Tech uh, with the TCU days, but never seen Tennessee play. And then after that was in Villanova against Syracuse, seeing the number six team in the country go up against the Orange. And Syracuse put up a really good fight. I know we're going to get more into NCAA basketball coverage later. I do promise you all. I know it's been the latest we've gotten into that, but obviously football's taken up too much time. But we will we will get into all of that, especially as conference play begins with college basketball. But um, one of those losses that I know you hate to hear quality loss, but it's a quality loss. You lose to a top six team in a very close, hard-fought game in a neutral site. So it, it looks good there. Syracuse actually led at halftime. It was pretty close, but uh, just ran out of gas in the end. But uh, Syracuse looked better. But Buddy Beheim, 0 for 9 from the three-point range in his last two games combined. So not a great start there for Buddy over his last couple of games. It's been rough. He shot 3 for 13 against the Wildcats. So it, was, it wasn't good. So... Yeah, I was there writing for it. Um, I'm also going to be gone tonight. I'm going to Washington, D.C. I'll be there tomorrow, and I'm going to be writing uh, as well for the Georgetown game. Syracuse, Georgetown, of course, old Big East rivals. They meet this weekend um, as well as we've been over two old Big East rivals. But uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll be there again, and then I finally get to go home and rest for a little bit. But, yeah, Madison Square Garden was a fantastic time. It's a beautiful arena. Anyone who can go, please do go. Um, it was a really neat experience, especially as a reporter. We sat – uh, just sort of right behind the basket. There's a whole sort of row. And uh, if any of you ever followed John Rothstein of CBS Sports, uh, one of the best basketball analysts um, ever, I actually sat only a couple rows above him, and I talked to him for a little bit and waved him goodnight uh, in the upstairs press room, which was kind of surreal as someone who I followed on Twitter for a very long time and is I don't really follow or care about a lot of sports personality people. I, I sort of just do the sport itself. But he's one of the few guys that I really have loved and followed forever. So being able to interact with him in person was really cool. So that was a really neat experience. Very happy that I got to do that. But we can go ahead and dive into our week 13 NFL recap. I know we're, um, we haven't gone crazy over it. And yes, we have our friend up there in the corner. But um, we're going to start out with game of the week. And this game could be one of the games of the year. Because we don't know how many times this, this thing will happen. It's a very rare thing in the NFL. Very rare. And that very rare thing is when the Detroit Lions win a football game. This is a rare occurrence. Yeah, not a tie. No. They, no, they actually they they ended up with more points than the other team at the you end. You bet on of Detroit money line. First of all, you're a sicko. <laughs> you are a sicko. You bet Second Detroit Lions money line. You have a problem. <laughs> Second off, good for you. I'm glad it worked out for you this time. But uh, yeah, I think we can all admit um, the Minnesota. Well, actually, we'll get to that uh, at the end of the podcast. We talk about uh, Thursday night football last night. But um, 
because I was going to talk about the sad state of Minnesota, which is actually aged not that great because they turned around and ended up playing pretty decently last night. But well, what about the, the sad state of Big Ben? I think oh, that's real. We'll we'll get to that later. We'll we'll, we'll <laughs> have a whole thing about Big Ben. Don't you worry. But but yeah, Detroit winning this game was pretty big. They actually hadn't won a game in over a full calendar year, which is. Wow, that's a sad statistic. Uh, Justin Jefferson was still very good in this game for Minnesota. Um, Kirk Cousins, again, putting up pretty decent stats. His stats have actually been pretty impressive this season. I know that he's usually more of a mediocre quarterback throughout his career, but uh, I have to give Kirk credit, have to give him credit. He's actually played a really solid season, um, even despite this loss. Um, and uh, Jared Goff was, again, kind of average as normal, but he ended up winning the game, so I guess he'll take it. But uh, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, with the game-winning touchdown, 86 yards receiving, pretty good game for him. But, yeah, this was a pretty remarkable game. Shout out Detroit for not losing. Good job. Uh, Next up, we have a game that always makes me happy to talk about, and that game is whenever the Saints lose in any capacity because the Saints losing means America wins. And it looks like America did win this time. I I can't – sorry, I can't say that without getting sick. But the Dallas Cowboys did win this game. I refuse to acknowledge that as America's team. But they are a team in America, so they are a America team. And they did win this game. 27-17 was your final. And, um, yeah, I hate saying anything positive about Dan Quinn in this. I'm not going to say that. But uh, it's more just Taysom Hill doesn't know how to throw a football. I think that's more accurate. I don't think this is Dan Quinn being competent. I think this is Taysom Hill being incompetent. Four interceptions in the day. No, and and I know that a lot of people were saying, I mean, I was at least going – well, why is Trevor Simeon the backup if you've had Taysom Hill on the team for five years and he's been the backup quarterback? Now we saw why Trevor Simeon was the backup and not, or was the second string, uh, and Taysom Hill was the third string. Because Taysom Hill, for as interesting uh, of a year as he had last year in the absence of Drew Brees, Um, And as much success as the Saints have been able to have with him under the helm, uh, it all came unraveled last week (laughs) against the Cowboys. Uh, Yeah, to the tune of four interceptions that and they just signed him to an extension, too. I'm pretty sure another another one of those like fake money extensions where with like incentives up to, uh, you know, 10 million or whatever a year, but in actual base pay, it's like veterans minimum. Those usually get borderline disrespectful, but you know, you're still making more money than most people. Anyway, I don't think he's going to be complaining too much. Um, next up, we have a game that uh, fuels sadness because what doesn't when you're an Atlanta fan, minus the Braves, minus the Braves, I know, but Tampa Bay played against Atlanta. And what does Tom Brady do against Atlanta teams? Uh, I don't know, Jack. What does he do? He wins. And now, again, I only say that because that's a cute little way to lead this in, even though, again, I'm a very strict person of teams beat teams, not players beat players, because it's a team sport. And that is what happened in this game, because Tampa Bay beat Atlanta Pretty soundly. Now, Matt Ryan didn't have a poor game, didn't throw for a touchdown, but his stats are decent there. Brady did basically whatever he wanted against our passing defense, which is awful. And Chris Godwin, bless you, had a great game. Patterson had a pretty decent game for the Falcons. 
But big player to shout out here, even though it won't really, it doesn't really matter in the scope of the game, but just on an individual level, Russell Gage, 11 receptions for 130 yards. Wouldn't have thought that. So a guy that's normally been our kind of number three wide receiver for a while um, has kind of slipped into a number two role, given, of course, the absence of uh, both Julio and Calvin Ridley. And um, I guess sort of Pitts maybe your number one target and even Patterson, too, getting a ton of targets. But Gage is sort of your one of your best pure wide receiver roles on that team and really stepped up in this game. So, you know, what? give Russell Gage a shout out. That's pretty impressive to do that, considering that. He's sort of a lower end wide receiver, um, even within this team. But the Falcons actually made this game pretty close. It was 20 to 17 trailing at halftime with a uh, three yard pick six by Marlon Davidson. So uh, which, you know, it's always great to get pick six against Brady. But uh, yeah, again, the Falcons got to give him credit for playing actually a pretty decent first half. But the second half just unraveled. It was 10 to nothing. Falcons couldn't get anywhere on the board. This team is, again, a pretty woeful team. And I have to say the Falcons being five and seven. This is in the running for being one of the worst five and seven teams in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I I feel like this is just weeks removed, uh, and it's not. It's it's at least a year removed. Uh, I feel like it's just weeks removed from uh, us saying that Atlanta was like one of the best four win teams uh, in NFL history. Um, but look, I know you've been a Matt Ryan fan. For a very long time, I know the special place that you have for Matt Ryan, and I'm not saying he's not capable of doing great things. It's just like every fourth decision that he makes is just like the worst throw you've ever seen. It's like every like fourth or fifth decision he makes is just throwing it to a safety that he didn't see. I understand that he is not a premier quarterback in the league anymore. I get that. But do we really think that just getting rid of him and replacing him with some young rookie quarterback is going to fix the Falcons' problems all of a sudden? Yeah, you got to move the chains on this at some point. And it's also the fact that, I mean, your Keeping defense Keeping Matt Ryan is, around is not doing Atlanta any favors. I mean, you're giving up 41 or 43 to the Cowboys, 25 to the Saints, 28 to the Dolphins, and you won that game, 34 to Washington. I mean, 32 to the Eagles in game one. I'm I mean, I also you. get the points are also not good either. I'm aware that we got shut out against New England, six points against the Eagles, three points against the Cowboys. Like, I, I'm not saying the offense isn't that like terrible either. I'm, I'm not excusing them, but – and I get it's more just, oh, look at the defense, but – it has been a very long time since the Falcons have had a very competent defense, a very long time. And we, it's not been that long since we've actually had a competent office. And so, again, I understand we're in year one of a new head coach. There really weren't any expectations to be that competent this season. And the fact we've already gotten more wins than last season, I think, does speak something to it. Not, again, of that impressive. You don't really want to go from four wins to five wins. But you'd rather go four wins to five wins than four wins to four or four wins to three, et cetera. So, that yeah, at least and, I think has a little bit of And all I'm suggesting here is there's a difference between the soft reset and the hard reset. And I think this team needs a hard reset. Um, and, and, that's, soon. and that's It'll where Matt soon. Ryan comes into play. Cause you're not going to keep a big money quarterback. Who's age, who is on the decline of his career on the downslope of his career, rather than um, a Tom Brady, who is still, you know, playing lights out and Aaron Rodgers, who's still playing lights out. Some of these guys, you can tell 
when they start to hit that decline. And I'm not saying that Matt Ryan is a bad quarterback. I'm not saying that he's like Daniel Jones level bad or anything, but well, he still can throw a football, but at some point you have to hit the hard reset and you have to say, okay, we're going to completely retool this team. Uh, We're going to completely rebuild this team. And I think Matt Ryan is a solid piece to that because he actually holds some trade value where you can get some draft picks back for Matt Ryan. The only thing that uh, hampers him is the contract because the dead cap numbers um, are, are, are pretty serious there. Uh, but we can move on. Uh, let's talk quickly talk about, hard reset. <laughs> yeah, about hard reset. Yeah, talk about a hard reset. Uh, the Bears hard reset is very much not working. Um, how Matt Nagy still has a job at this point is completely beyond me. Uh, they got absolutely destroyed by Arizona. Um, and, and give me a second because I want to find the Bears' offensive numbers in this game. And well, don't let the scoreline fool you. It was an only no. eleven point victory for Arizona, but it it felt Andy like Dalton, a lot more. Andy Dalton four interceptions. Um, this was a terrible game for the Bears' offense. Once again, they actually outgained. The Cardinals, but the fact that they had four turnovers, uh, four picks specifically, just doomed them at the See, end. That's of the why. Day. That's why I almost take a pause on that, and I really want to more say it was a terrible day for Andy Dalton more than the Bears' offense because you got twenty six first downs compared to Arizona's fourteen. You controlled the time possession and you outgained them by eighty yards. I don't think it's a bad day on the offense. I just think that's a horrible day for Andy Dalton. You don't throw those four picks. And it's very possible that Chicago could win this game. So that's that's where I think is the strength here. Again, Murray didn't really have much of stats because he really didn't have to do anything. I mean, he only threw the ball 15 times compared to Dalton's 41. And yeah, the rushing you, stats are pretty close. But do you really think that if Justin Fields was playing in this game that they, that they would have won? Probably not. But I also think that without – I mean, if it's only an 11-point difference – Four interceptions, I mean, if you lost by 30 and had four interceptions, that's different. But I think with if you have the ball turned over four different times and you get – I mean, saying for the point of this that you take away all those picks, I mean, that's and, a very and, different game, especially when your first, gonna, your first drive is a, a pick and then Arizona gets 28 my, yards score. I'm going to put my screen up. Um, I really, really – Look, I, I appreciate uh, what you're saying about Andy Dalton um, and about uh, the Bears' offense being decent, but look at this check down Charlie nonsense. Only two, three passes the entire game longer than 15 yards. Yeah, you can rack up some offensive efficiency just throwing the ball short, but at some point you got to put the ball in the end zone. I love that he got picked six yards behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yes, this is the Andy Dalton experience. Oh, um, God. It, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling that this Bears team is just a social experiment. Um, I'm convinced. Hard to imagine that's actually uh, real. But uh, speaking of two teams that used to basically be fake teams but now have uh, proven themselves as 
actually pretty decent squads this year. Um, not amazing, but decent. We got the LA Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals going head to head in what was supposed to be a really, really solid game between these two teams. And it ended up being not as solid as you would have thought. 41-22 is your final score. Actually, a much more brutal beatdown than what we saw with the Bears. I mean, it was 24 to nothing to start. The, the Bolts came out and were angry. They wanted to bounce you, back. They did you watch back. this game? Uh, I didn't have a chance to watch uh, many of these games because I was traveling during a, a bunch of this chalk. So well, the L.A. Chargers did their best to pull a full L.A. Chargers um, or a pull a full Atlanta Falcons, if you will, up twenty four to nothing. They let the Bengals storm all the way back to twenty four twenty two, and then ended up winning the game forty one twenty two. Well, it was, it's a Von Campbell sixty one yard fumble touchdown certainly helped that out. <laughs> it, it was it was like a basketball game, a game of runs, if you will. Um, Something's got to change here for Cincinnati. I mean, and maybe it's just the way that they start these games. I mean, the Chargers are a good team. They're probably going to make the playoffs this year. And they're capable with their offense of beating everybody because they established the run game with Austin Eckler. um, And then they've got Justin Herbert who can just throw absolute bombs unlike most quarterbacks in the league. They're like – five quarterbacks in the league who can do the things that Justin Herbert can do with his arm because well, he's the, got the Chargers, that type of arm talent. But the Chargers controlled the game when they needed to. I mean, they outscored the Bengals exactly. 30, 33 to zero in the first and fourth quarters combined. Yeah. It's hard to win a game when you do that. <laughs> it, absolutely. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are inching closer and closer to the no bet list. I can't remember whether I tweeted out in uh, my anger last week that they were on the no bet list. Uh, they are not on the no bet list yet. We will get to that later. Uh, but the Bengals at this point, I feel like they have the potential. They're kind of like the Browns a couple years ago, where they have the potential to beat some of these teams. They have the talent. Uh, They've got the quarterback. uh, They've got the coach to be able to beat some of these teams and pull out some of these wins. But I don't know how you can trust this team in a playoff situation, considering they are so young. Uh, This is the first year together for a lot of these pieces, and they still can't get Joe Burrow, the offensive line help uh, that he needs. Now, Justin Herbert doesn't have a great offensive line either, um, but the Bengals don't necessarily have a pass rush that's going to scare anyone uh, really at any point. And they can take a little bit of the pressure off with Austin Eckler being such a good check down option um, for the Bengals. I feel like this is just inconsistency that we're seeing, especially against some of the better teams. Um, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's going to be really hard for them to like win a playoff game this year. Uh, they might make the playoffs. I'm really hoping they do. I like watching Joe Burrow. I like watching this team, but it's going to be hard for me to trust this team down the stretch. Well, even if you want to look at playoff stuff right now, I mean, looking at odds to make the playoffs, um, if you got to scroll down a little bit, yeah, the Bengals only have a 45% chance of making the playoffs as of right now. Chargers, 79%. And I guarantee you winning that game was a big part of it. But there are um, 22 teams that have a 10% chance or better. To make the playoffs, everyone's kind of wild, <laughs> which is wild. I think the Texans might be officially eliminated. 
I don't think yet, but uh, there, there, I don't know what's... There are a couple teams that are mathematically eliminated. Um, there, there are teams that are definitely not making the playoffs, and it includes the Jets, the Texans, and the Lions. There are a lot of teams still in contention, including Seattle, who is still technically in contention. I don't think they're going to make it, uh, but they are still technically in contention. Uh, let's move to another team. I, I just want to run through these kind of quick. Another few teams that are quote-unquote, in the hunt um, for the playoffs. Uh, we've got the Giants versus the Dolphins, um, and the Giants have some serious issues right now. RIP uh, to anyone who watched this game. What a terrible day to have eyes. Yeah, and and if you watch Red Zone, you know that they're obsessed with the New York Giants because uh, media markets are apparently more important than quality football. Um Red Zone has been a travesty this year, by the way. Always, are, always have been. <laughs> they are only Red Zone will like ignore an entire Tennessee Titans game against the Patriots in favor of showing like something like this: the uh, Giants versus the Dolphins because it's New York. Remember when Saquon was an elite running back? Those are the good old days. Remember when the NFL didn't put Pittsburgh and Chicago in every single primetime game? Oh, wait. It's always been that way. They put every – it's it's either Pittsburgh or Chicago in a primetime game every single week because the Giants are so unexciting or else they would put the Giants in every single primetime game. But, um, but, but let's talk – but just to say a minute about the, about the Dolphins, this was a team that after beating the Patriots – they lost, I think it was, what, seven in a row? I mean, they were horrible. Like, seven in a row. Dolphins were down terribly. Since that game, they've all won five straight. And they got the Jets, Saints, Titans, and Patriots to go. Now, Patriots and Titans are not great odds. But they could beat Jets and Saints. Honestly, those games they'll probably both be favored in. And if they do end up pulling that off, the Dolphins could really get themselves in an excellent position. I mean, this team is and no way out of getting any kind of playoff hope. And so, honestly, yeah, the Dolphins look to be pretty much out of it. Uh, but, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. But pretty impressive for them to sort of come out of the woodworks and get some big wins in here. Yeah, and I did the numbers on Tua this week. Um, Tua's playing a lot better um, as of recent. And yeah. I still don't think they're opening up the offense for him. Uh, and But he is – throwing very aggressively uh he's throwing into more coverage trying to find holes in the zone trying to find the matchup uh and he he's getting a lot better even though he ranks near last in the league and by near last in the league i mean he's up there with ben roethlisberger andy dalton and matt ryan those are the three guys in front of him and then uh jared goff and mike white are the only people uh, that throw for less intended air yards per uh, per completion, I believe. Well, if you want to um, go ahead and get to another game between two teams that we don't want to talk about, it's the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. Uh, ah, yes, another great NFC and AFC. The uh, gardner Minshew game. Uh, 33-18. I'm kind of shocked this wasn't a scoregami of 33-18, but um, – but, yeah, Minshew actually played really great in this game. Zach Wilson played like Zach Wilson would. 
Miles Sanders getting himself 120 yards on the ground, and Dallas Goder getting 150 yards, sorry, 105 yards. Oops, no, I read that wrong. 105 yards and two touchdowns. So actually a very solid game for the Eagles offense. Again, it was against the Jets, so we're not particularly shocked here. But it still was a solid game for Philly, and they were actually losing in this game 14-18 to 18, with uh, about five minutes to go in the first half. And after that, it wasn't close. The Eagles Just ended up one scoring comment. a touchdown field goal and ended up three more field goals to end the game. Just one comment on this game. Can we finally slap the uh, bus tag on Zach Wilson? I'm ready. I'm ready to hit it. Just to look at his stats overall, he's got 1,500 yards, just 29th in the league. Six Give me touchdowns, the touchdowns to intercept. 11 to fix, 6 to 11. Yeah. His QBR is 25. <laughs> oh, boy. Look, I'm usually – like, I'm still holding out for Trevor Lawrence. It's um, also you're playing with no help. I get he's not playing well, but I, I it's hard to gauge a quarterback when they're playing with a god-awful team. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, I mean, the defense is obviously the main problem for the Jets. You obviously are going to – it was your number two overall pick. You're going to give Zach Wilson every chance in the world uh, to be successful in New York. Um, and, and we've seen him have success at certain points in time, but I, I almost feel comfortable. I'm not going to do it yet. This is my official ruling. I'm not going to do it yet, but I am inching ever closer towards uh, Zach Wilson bust territory. Uh, This is a game that should go quickly. Uh, Houston continues uh, to be... come on. I think they might be the worst team in the league. I think they're worse than than the Lions. I I mean, we knew this would happen. We knew this would happen. We we know... That when they beat the Jags in week one, we were like, oh, man, oh, man. Coming back into form. It's all How did returning they the to Titans form. on the road. How? How did they uh, win I was that at game? that game. It was the worst Titans home game I've been to in 20 years. It was raining cats and dogs, and our entire team was hurt. Do you know what Mills' stats were in this game against the Colts? Yes. Six, six for 14. Six for 14. 49, 49 yards. <laughs> and their leading rusher had 30. <laughs> Yeah, Rex Burkhead, baby. I started in fantasy last week. Somebody's 141, got 141 yards of total offense in this game. And it was a home game. That's the worst part. All it right, was a home but, but one note to have about this game is shout out Deion Jackson for getting his first career touchdown rush with the Colts. He's a former high school classmate of mine. Um, was former in that same group. Back. Yeah, that same, that same group that had Andrew Thomas in it, my high school people, Wendell Carter Jr., all those guys are all in the same class. So, Pretty cool to see Dion get that touchdown. It was a neat moment for my high school friends and I to, to see him score. So shout out Dion. Yeah, well, um, I don't want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts anymore. Let's move <laughs> on. Uh, Washington versus Vegas. Uh, Washington, four wins in a row. Uh, and are we starting to believe in Taylor Heineke here? I regret not picking Washington this game. This is one of my my wrong picks of this last week. And um. I don't really know why. I've just I've been feeling the the Raiders more than I think I should, and I think that's finally coming sort of back to earth. Uh, but yeah, Heineke has been proving that he is a winning quarterback, winning these games, even in a game where it was very close. <laughs> it was uh, very very tight to the end. It was really anybody's game in the last few minutes uh, with a Daniel Carlson field goal to get the Raiders up with two and a half to go. And then the uh, Washington football team getting a field goal at, uh, well, not at the buzzer with 37 seconds left, but basically at the end. 
So, yeah, pretty solid game for Washington here. Both these teams are now 6-6. Six and six. Washington, again, has had a pretty solid streak. And, yeah, most of those teams have beaten weren't exactly the best, but those still are pretty good games. But if you're Washington, all you have to do now is get through the division. They only have NFC East games to go. It's Cowboys at the Eagles at the Cowboys, Eagles at the Giants, which I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of those games are pretty winnable. We've seen how the Eagles have played. We've seen how the Giants have played. That's three games right there that they could end up winning. I know the Cowboys are going to be a tough team to get past, but yeah, if you win the majority of those games and you're Washington, you could be in a pretty solid spot coming up for playoff times. They actually have a 51% chance of making the playoffs again. So Washington could potentially be a dangerous team down the stretch. Absolutely. Well, the next game we're also just going to kind of run through. Uh, Jacksonville versus the uh, L.A. Rams. The Rams get back on track, uh, had a big win against Jacksonville. Uh, no one's shocked by this. This Nobody is where we start to kind of worry about Trevor Lawrence, and you got to start to question the future of Urban Meyer, which I know we've been doing like since he was hired because nothing that he's done told me in his career that he's going to be a good NFL coach. That's not to say he's not a good college coach. He's a great college coach. But nothing that Urban Meyer has done has given me confidence that he's going to be a good NFL coach. I think it, the best strategy for the Jaguars right now, objectively, is to get rid of Urban Meyer um, and, and bring in someone who can really uh, mentor and teach Trevor Lawrence as opposed to Trevor Lawrence going out there and just kind of fumbling the bag, which is what he does the entire game now. Yeah, pretty shocking still to see the comparison of what he's did at at um at Clemson versus now. And I obviously understand it's a totally different game, but uh but yeah, Matthew Stafford was fantastic in this game. Sony Michelle was fantastic as well and for the running back position, and Cooper Cup, very solid too. Um Laquan Treadwell was your leading wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you want to talk uh, about yes. how down if you want to talk about how down horribly this team talk is, about Laquan an Treadwell. SEC throwback. <laughs> In 2021, Laquan Treadwell led a team in receiving yards in the game. So, hey, former first round pick, don't don't doubt him. Also, um, shout out to the Rams for actually leading after the first quarter. They've been notoriously terrible with uh with the first quarter um and even the second quarter of the season. So, shout out for them for actually getting a competent quarter down. Well, what they did was they got back to the run game. They've been really yeah. getting away from the run game, especially with Daryl Henderson out. Um, but they got back to the run game in this one. Sony Michelle had a big day on the ground, and that's going to be the key for them going down the stretches. Can they establish the run? Uh, next up, let's move on to Baltimore versus Pittsburgh. And Lamar Jackson's been playing like crap lately. Uh, this comes after about three or four weeks removed from me saying that Lamar Jackson was the MVP, and I think he was the MVP but then he just started throwing picks like nobody's business. Everyone's blitzing the crap out of him. Uh, he is terrible against the blitz. Um, Lamar's not playing well. Pittsburgh comes away with a win in this one, but it was a real tight one. Could have gone to overtime. Baltimore tries the two-point conversion and fails, and I know that everyone's going to criticize Harbaugh for this, but honestly, I love the two-point conversion here. I think it's a fair thing to do, especially with a game that close. You're up against a rival. I, I think that's fair to do. You might as well go for something like that. If you take it, you win the game. You don't want to play for any kind of overtime. You just want to get it over with. So I um, I think that's fine to get that done. I don't disagree with that. And call, with, NFL, yeah, with NFL overtime, I mean, you kind of got to go for it in regulation. You don't want to tie. 
I think John. No one wants to tie. I think John Harbaugh would be the last person on earth that I would think would want to tie, other than uh, our friend in the top right corner here, uh, Mister Senor Vrabel. Um, also, shout out Deontay Johnson for getting 105 yards and two touchdowns on this game. Very, very decent game for him. Basically, was more than half of all of Big Ben's production went directly to Deontay. And Baltimore's kind of in shambles right now. Uh, losing Marlon Humphrey for the year is a really big deal. After losing Marcus Peters for the whole year, after losing their top three running backs for the whole year, this team is so injured. It's miraculous they're winning as many games as they are. For as many players as the Titans have had on IR this year, at least we don't have as many players with season-ending injuries as the Baltimore Ravens. Like, at least Derrick Henry's got a chance to come back in the playoffs. And and speaking of a team that's been injured, if you want to go on to uh, San Francisco up against Seattle, Seattle being being probably one of the most disappointments or one of the most biggest disappointments of what we've seen this season, four and eight, but they end up winning this game. So, uh, Actually, a pretty solid game for them. Jimmy G throws for 300 yards, two touchdowns, but his two picks certainly don't help. And Tyler Lockett led the day for Seattle. But Kittle with a really good game, nine receptions, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, Obviously, didn't really go for much of a final result. But, yeah, San Francisco choked this game pretty badly. They're up 17-7 to and then also uh, 23-14 before letting in a pass, a passing touchdown right at the end of the half and then a safety to tie the game at 23 and then a Tyler Lockett touchdown ended up winning the game for Seattle. So yeah, San Francisco should have had this game. I think we both picked San Francisco here, but um, yeah, this is a very big uh, disappointment game for the Niners, a game that you should have been able to pull out. And now they're sitting at six and six. Yeah. And look, I'm thoroughly, I've, I've pivoted, um, I am on the fuck Kyle Shanahan train. <laughs> I've been on that train for five I know, years. I know five you years. have. I'm joining you on five here. Five years. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is the most overrated coach of all time. Uh, for being an offensive genius, uh, his teams absolutely stuck in the fourth quarter of every single game. Um, it, it's... It, no, I I, I will not. You. I keep I, telling you. I'm fading Kyle Shanahan until he is no longer coach of the 49ers. Until uh, the end until he's no longer employed. Yeah. Uh this guy has blown a lead in not one but two Super Bowls uh as play caller. Um and I just I don't trust him. He's a very overrated coach. Uh and that's all I have to say about the 49ers. But let's move on. Denver versus KC. And the Kansas City, this is like it feels like we're living in a Midwest fever dream with Kansas City. Uh, because the defense is actually good, but the offense sucks. What is so going, what is going on in KC? It I really I, I don't know. It's the strangest thing. It's so bizarre. But yeah, Kansas City is basically bamboozled all of us this season um and the defense is winning them games i mean teddy bridgewater did nothing but god mahomes was horrible (laughs) mahomes is terrible in this game and it didn't even matter i mean the chiefs end up keep winning they're eight and four now which frankly this is one of the most this is like one of the most patchwork eight and four teams i've ever seen like i mean they've won i have to give them credit the chiefs have won five games in a row 
And you don't want to know what their defense is allowed in those five games? 17, 7, 14, 9, 9. But the offense. That's pretty good. That's what, pretty good. And, and it's not all Mahomes either. It's not like Mahomes is playing terrible. I mean, he's not playing up to the MVP level that we know Mahomes can play. But his supporting cast is giving him zero help. I mean, we're seeing uncharacteristic drops from Hill, from Kelsey. We're seeing very characteristic drops from like Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, and Demarcus Robinson. Um, it's just, it's not gelling. It's not working. It doesn't look like any of them are on the same page. It looks like they're trying to do too much. Well, if you um, look at the overall stats of Mahomes this season, he's sixth in passing uh, yards, sixth in passing touchdowns, 30th in interceptions with 12, and then actually ninth in QBR, 56.4. So it's still a pretty solid season. He still has a good season here, but yes, it is nowhere near an MVP level season, which is a little bizarre considering how dominant he's been in getting those kind of seasons in the last few years. But yeah, it's just a very odd season. Kansas City wins this game, but with a lot of question marks and shout out for Javante Williams running back for Denver, having a pretty solid game. He ends up getting uh, no touchdowns, but a hundred yards on the ground and 70 yards to the air. So very, very good game. And Kansas Williams. City, Actually, I just wanted to bring this up because I looked it up just now. Kansas City third in the league in dropped passes. Right up there there with the Carolina Panthers, the Los (laughs) Angeles Chargers, and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Sad bunch. (laughs) Sad, sad bunch of teams uh, with the exception of the Chargers uh, who have played pretty well as of recent. You want to talk about something that's sad and hard to watch? (laughs) We got Monday Night Football, and Monday Night Football was in uh, very brutal conditions, which, hey, as someone who now lives in upstate New York, I can tell you winter is not good. Winter hey, is terrible, and we haven't even gotten, like, real winter. And so, By the way, just wanted to mention the under in this game was the easiest pick of all time. Oh, the the under, if, if I could have sports betting, which they're going to have – uh, next year in New York, but they still don't have it in New York technically. I would have absolutely annihilated that under. The, which the under, under was forty. Yeah, forty. I was like, "There's no way." Thirty nine and no a half. Way. There was no, no way. chance. No chance. No. This game uh, finished fourteen to ten. Uh, Mac Jones was two for three with nineteen yards, and no, he wasn't hurt. Played the entire game. It was actually the third time in NFL history that a team had only had three attempted passes. The last time was in 1968. So, yeah, that's a real stat for you. Um, Allen still had under 150 passing yards and only a touchdown. But that game was massive because now it means New England. Hooray, is first place in the AFC, and the Bills go down to seventh. Bills really needed this win at home and could not deliver yeah. in what was a pretty tough game here uh, for everyone. Belichick, look. Big brain Belichick. I, I, I hate I hate it. I hate it. I, I, but you I gotta respect it. Go away. You I gotta respect Patriots it. would just go away completely. However, I gotta give my hat, take my hat off to uh, Bill Belichick here. Um, what, what a game plan. Uh, just pulling out the 1950s playbook. I know there were a lot of tweets that. Belichick probably just like got a big leather playbook from 1950 and slapped it on Josh McDaniel's desk when he saw the forecast. Um, Cause that's how it looked. The, look, the Patriots are the best coach team in the NFL. They 
put together a specific, they don't have a scheme. They don't have a system. They put together a specific game plan game by game. uh, And they get guys that are extremely malleable to play in these different systems with these different styles that they implement for every single game. And they've got a defense that's playing out of their minds right now. Um, really interested to see how they perform down the stretch. I do think there is a ceiling for this team. I don't think this is a Super Bowl level team, uh, just because at some point in the playoffs, you're going to need an explosive downfield play from Mac Jones. And I don't think he's the guy that's going to get you there. Uh, when you need a two minute drill in the playoffs in the AFC championship, you're down seven points. You need a touchdown, not a field goal. Um, I don't know if Mac Jones is the guy that's going to get you there this year, but things are certainly looking up uh, for all the controversy that people were like, why wouldn't they keep Cam Newton around? They just didn't like him because he was anti-vaxxer. Well, look at Carolina. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. Cam is more washed than any quarterback who has ever been washed up in the league before. He's worse than Ben. He's worse than Peyton Manning at the end of his career. He's worse than Drew Brees last year. Uh, yeah, he, it's honestly it's it's kind of tough to watch it. I know he's it's worse than Matt Ryan. He is worse than any worse, of man. these quarterbacks that are like watching a dying dog. Like watch, like that's what I want to give credit. That was Elijah's take uh, that Big Ben looks like a dying dog, but some of these quarterbacks just look like dying dogs. Um, and Cam Newton looks like a dying dog that's already had a stroke and is paralyzed from the waist down. <laughs> from the waist back, I guess. <laughs> yeah, from the waist back. But, um, but uh, yeah, bye weeks on this week were uh, Cleveland, Green Bay, Tennessee, and Carolina. And we can go right into teams and players of the week. I have to go pretty soon so we can go through yep. this uh, pretty quickly. But for this, we're going to cut things off with the NFC. And I'm saying Jared Goff is my player of the week. And it's because he is a winning quarterback this week. And it's been a very long time since he's been a winning quarterback. In fact, he actually has never been a winning quarterback unless it was Sean McVay. So shout out for him for getting a win. I also put in off the field. Jared uh, Goff was our player of the week this week because they showed um, his uh, girlfriend who was doing a shoot for, I think it was like the SI swimsuit, whatever. Um, on the beach and uh, it was showing her reaction to his game winning touchdown. And let's just say that uh, people weren't quite sure what color that the ocean and the sand were Uh, They're They're paying a little more attention to some other things. So it was uh, Jared Goff, real winner all around. Uh, And then for team of the week, obviously going with Detroit uh, right there with it. Got to give Motown some credit for again, actually winning a game because I will probably not have this team on team of the week the entire season. And I was like, might as well mix it up a little bit because there's no way they will do anything else of note this year. And then my AFC, I have Sony Michelle um, getting the job done and, and then new England to pair with that for getting uh, probably the biggest win of the weekend of any team to be able to go to Buffalo in really bad conditions and to get a game plan to get ready to go and beat a team of that high caliber is really impressive. So shout out to new England for winning as painful as it is to see. Yeah. Uh, well, in the theme of New England, my NFC player of the week, Gronk, who looked like an absolute monster once again. I mean, he's not like super overpowering cheat code Gronk anymore, but he is every bit as good and as physical uh, as you would expect from Gronk at this point. 
in his career. And for a guy that's been banged up so much, uh, got to give him credit. Two touchdowns. He's still the best red zone target on that Tampa Bay team. And he's the guy that you start listing off all of the people that they have on that team. And Gronk is almost like an afterthought. And then you remember, oh, yeah, he's like the greatest tight end of all time. <laughs> he's just kind of like here. <laughs> he's like the fifth person you mention at, 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 at highest. He's like the fifth person you mention on this Tampa Bay roster. And yet he's like the greatest tight end of all time. And they just have him. It, they can rest him. They got Cameron, Cameron Brait. Uh, playing good football as well. They can rest Gronk. He doesn't have to play every snap. Um, yeah. And and he is a real, real weapon and threat for this team, especially once it gets into the playoffs. Just how are you going to cover him? Uh, Detroit, also my team of the week for obvious reasons. In the AFC, I've got Justin Herbert. Uh, had a big day against the Bengals, whose defense has been playing pretty well over the course of the season. And then Pittsburgh, uh, for taking down the Ravens, uh, we my hate for the Baltimore Ravens is uh, well documented. Uh, so thank you to Pittsburgh for uh, getting the job done in the division last week, keeping the Titans in that second seed. Uh, Jack, it's time for our wrap up segment. We're not going to do picks today. We will post those on Twitter. Uh, but lock of the week, who you got? So for me this week, I think there are a lot of uh, juicy different options to have. But for me, it is the Seahawks and the Texans going at it, facing off um, in Houston. And that one actually was Seattle uh, minus four and a half, but it changed at least to what I've seen is minus eight and a half. And I think I want to take that in this game. Houston has proved last week they're absolutely god awful. They've lost 10 of their last 11 games. And Seattle finally found their footing. They, they had lost a bunch in a row. They hadn't gotten it together. And they finally got their game back against San Francisco. And I think that they're going to use that momentum and come into Houston and get a big win. I like that. I do like it. Uh, for my lock of the week, I got San Francisco minus one and a half um, against Cincinnati. I'm all over team fade Cincinnati this week. Uh, not that I particularly believe uh, in Kyle Shanahan. I know we just got talking, got done talking about that. But because the Bengals have been so inconsistent, they've screwed me over multiple times this year. And in just looking at this game, it feels like Cincinnati should be favored, yet San Francisco uh, is the favorite by one and a half points. I'm you see the tickets, tickets for this game are starting at $22. <laughs> Yes, that and these are like playoff quality. Yeah, yeah. Oh, You're gonna God. be like a number one overall pick play against Jimmy Garoppolo. <sighs> uh, uh, exciting football, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but that will do it for this week's blanket coverage podcast. Make sure you tune in next week as we recap week 14 and get into week 15's action. Um, Jack, I certainly hope you have a wonderful weekend in DC. Uh, yes, thank you. is fun for you. Um, and, and if I'm correct, uh, you are planning on going to Duke as well. If you can get pressed, I'm, I'm trying to, I haven't gotten that confirmed yet, but I will be going to the wizards jazz game, uh, tomorrow night too. So I'll let you know how that goes. 
Um, shockingly cheap tickets to watch two playoff quality teams right now, which is kind of funny, but I'll take it. And um, versus Mitchell, that's a good. That's a. I mean, it's kind of fun. I'm actually kind of excuse. Well, Beal was injured when I saw the Wizards when they played Atlanta late last season, so I actually get to see Beal this time. But uh, one last note too, because it's December 10th. Just letting y'all know that we are now um just a little over a week away before college football bowl season starts, so we're gonna get that bowl preview out. Yes. Uh, it's not exactly extremely time pertinent, which is why we haven't done it yet because we have time, but um it will be out within the next week. I also have ended my last classes today, which is what I'm going to right now. So I'm now done with the semester after today, which makes my life easier. So we'll get all that in. And if you've been missing our NBA content, do not worry. Uh, I talked about this with Elijah the other day. As of Christmas Day, I am opting in on the NBA. The I I can't like split my brain in that many directions before Christmas, but as soon as I can just take an entire day and watch all of these teams play and get uh, instant reaction takes from every single team uh, to shape my view of them for the rest of the season based off of one day of holiday basketball. <laughs> we can, we can, we can have a Christmas themed episode to focus on basketball. If you'd like, we can, yeah, we, can I, we can, we can get I that in. We can absolutely do that. Uh, I'll, I'll wear an ugly Christmas sweater. Maybe, <laughs> maybe an NBA themed ugly Christmas sweater. If I can get like a Grizzlies or Mavs sweater. Uh, th- those are my two nice. NBA teams. Uh, th- those are the teams that, I will be on this year. Uh, the Grizzlies are. I'll be. I'll be hawking wherever I live, but I, I can't do Knicks at the moment because I think I'd get killed for that. So yeah, it's, my, it's mine is Hawks and just seeing what happens. They say in Ted Lasso, it's the hope that kills you. Um, That's true. Yeah, for the Knicks, just give up now. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Noah Parker, and I'm Jack Wallace. Peace, Peace out, out y'all. y'all.